What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast, where I talk everything fantasy football to get you guys to that fantasy football championship at the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying I apologize for not making an episode in a while. It's been uh, it's been kind of hard to find motivation to do this, um, not to mention I've kind of been busy with school and life and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to do my best to stay on top of it as much as I can. Just get better and better each time. That's what the pros like to say, so that's what I like to say. So we got a great show for you today. Uh, I'm going to start off by what I usually do. I recap the Thursday night football between the Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then I'm going to give injury updates from the previous week, let you know what the status of each player is. I'm going to preview my teams, how I did last week, because there was no episode on Tuesday, and what it's looking like going into week five. Then I'm going to get into the usual topics of the back of the mind segment and the comeback season, where I talk about players that you want to keep in mind of for the next waivers after week five, and guys you that I think are going to make a comeback and do better than they did the previous week. And then to end the show, I'm going to do a little segment where I tell you guys who to buy low on and who to sell high on. So, like, guys, you're looking to trade, looking to trade for. I'm going to give you all the details about that. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, to start off by getting into Thursday night uh, between the Buccaneers and the Bears, really kind of was a competitive game throughout. Most of the scores pretty even kind of thought Tampa Bay was going to win most of the game, but if I'm going to be honest, I didn't really watch this game, didn't really have any fantasy implications involved. I mean, I did have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, and that was in the CBS League. They got me 17, which is like, okay, it's kind of subpar for a defense, but what are you going to do? Yeah, so I didn't really pay attention to this game, plus the Yankees were on game four of the ALDS. That was kind of more important to me. So, but nonetheless, I'm going to talk talk about it, talk about the fantasy aspects of what happened in this game, and try to anal- analyze uh, everybody as best as I can. So, I think coming from a Buccaneers standpoint, Ronald Jones was very effective, especially without Leonard Fournette. He was he had a uh, 17 carries for 106 yards, not to mention he um, he did a little bit in the passing game, catching three passes for 19 yards on five targets. But uh, Ronald Jones broke off a 37-yard run at some point in this game, and it's really starting to look like that Ronald Jones has taken this backfield to himself. It, he really helped himself, especially without Leonard Fournette in this game, like I just mentioned. He really asserted himself as the starting running back, averaging 6.2 yards a carry and breaking out for that long, long run. Um, He didn't get a touchdown, but he had a pretty decent fantasy day. Uh, In PPR, he would probably have like uh, 15 points, something like that, ballparking it, which is really good for uh, Ronald Jones. So uh, I think one of the the main storylines of this game was that um, that controversial – end of the game where Brady thought it was third down but it was actually fourth down Um, I mean you shouldn't be giving the Bears that position to be in anyway because their their offense I think is is meh it's not bad it's not good by any means but with a defense with what you have and you're letting Nick Foles kind of dominate you a little bit I mean not really dominate I shouldn't say that um, the running game for Chicago was completely ineffective, which was kind of helped. But the Buccaneers, I think, probably should have won this game, even though the Bears were technically the home team. Um, but, yeah, Tom Brady had a nice fantasy day. Not too bad, no turnovers, nothing like that. Had a decent amount of yards, touchdown. Probably had, like, I would say somewhere between 10, 15 points, 12, somewhere around there, um, which is okay. I'm not a big Tom Brady fan in fantasy. I'm not a Brady fan anyway because I'm a Jets fan, 
I hate Tom Brady, but who doesn't hate Tom Brady? Whatever. Um, Mike Evans had a decent fantasy day, being that he only caught a touchdown. It's starting to seem more and more like Mike Evans is a little touchdown dependent if he's going to have a good fantasy day. Uh, just by the last couple of weeks, he's had like one yard touchdowns a couple times, and he's very that. Well, I mean that's good because he's targeted a lot in the red zone, but I was hoping Mike Evans would do a little more, being that there was no Chris Godwin or Scotty Miller. The Scotty Miller did play, but he was also a little banged up. Um, but the rookie Tyler Johnson. Uh, had four catches on 61 yards on six targets. So he had 10 points. No one saw him doing anything. I don't even know who that is before yesterday. So good for Tyler Johnson to get himself a little bit involved in this Bucks offense. Gronk had a somewhat decent day. I wouldn't say that, honestly. R- Gronk, Gronk had a good day for him in 2020 because Gronk should not even be sniffing a fantasy football lineup let alone a roster so Rob Gronkowski no Brait maybe Brait now that OJ Howard is out for the year Cameron Brait has always been the number two after OJ Howard for the last couple of years. Even before O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait was the starting tight end, so he's a little bit more experienced with the Bucks. So don't be surprised if Cameron Brait starts to see a little volume there while Chris Godwin and other guys like Scotty Miller are battling injury. But a couple takeaways. Ronald Jones, good fantasy day. Tyler Johnson, maybe making a name for himself. Who knows? And Mike Evans. Mike Evans had a somewhat decent day on nine targets, which is really good, which is better than two targets, uh, two catches for 14 yards and two touchdowns. But he's moving on up. All right, so going to the Bears now. Uh, Nick Foles probably did the same as Brady in fantasy-wise. He had a little less yards, another uh, one more pick. But the... Bears rushing attack was absolutely barren from the entire game. They seem to have probably ditched it in the middle of the game. Um, they were winning at halftime, fourteen to thirteen, and then the uh, I guess they just abandoned the run completely because Allen Robinson had a monster game. Even though he didn't catch a touchdown, he put up. Uh, 10 catches on for 90 yards on 16 targets so it's pretty safe to say that Allen Robinson is a favorite target of Nick Foles by far no one else even came close to the amount of targets that Allen Robinson saw not to mention the catches David Montgomery was probably the second most effective passer pass catcher that the Bucks had, not the Bucks, the Bears. He caught seven passes for 33 yards on eight targets. So he kind of made up for his lack of rushing through the passing game, adding 10 points, catching the ball. I mean, he did have a t- rushing touchdown, so that gave him 8.9. So he had a little less than 20 points, which is fairly good for David Montgomery, who's supposed to be like an RB2 flex play. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think um, the only guys you can really play in this offense, maybe Nick Foles, depends on week to week because the Bucks defense is pretty good. But David Montgomery is probably a pretty good lock, and Allen Robinson's definitely a lock, whether he gets touchdowns or not. Like Allen Robinson's going to find the back of the end zone at some point within the next couple of weeks, being that they play Minnesota. They play the Lions. So guys like that, teams like that, I think Allen Robinson's a great play going forward. So that'll wrap it up for the Thursday night football recap. And next I will be moving to the injury updates for week five. All right, to get into the injuries this week, 
Uh, we're going to start with the quarterbacks like we usually do. Uh, the Really the only quarterback other than Cam, who is COVID, he's probably not going to play. Um, so we're not going to talk about him. He's not really hurt. But the real quarterback that has an injury this week is Lamar Jackson. He was uh, tagged with a knee injury earlier in the week, and then on Wednesday or Thursday he didn't practice due to an illness. And I don't think he practiced on Friday either. I'm not too sure about that. But have no fear because Coach John Harbaugh, uh, said Lamar Jackson is, quote, good to go on Sunday. So no worry about Lamar Jackson not playing for all you Lamar Jackson owners. Um, so we're going to move on uh, to the running backs. Running backs, um, we're going to start with Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has a groin injury, but he's played with, he played through it last week. He was limited with a groin injury all week. Um he put up a monster fantasy day with this designation. And so, I mean, it's most likely he's not going to miss any time bearing any setbacks before the game this weekend. The next is Joe Mixon, who has a shin injury. This injury popped up late earlier in the week. Uh, I think, I believe on Wednesday it was, um, he was battling like a chest injury last week and he played through it his monster breakout game which he desperately needed um but it was reported that this shin injury came after the media portion of practice but i don't see him really missing any time because of it so we're gonna move on the next running back we have is here's a name that hasn't came up in a little while raheem mostert welcome back raheem mostert uh, we're all aware he has a knee injury that he suffered in week two versus the Jets. Um, he practiced in a limited fashion this week just to test out, test out that, that knee injury that he suffered. Um, although it's, he's just testing it out. Uh, he practiced all week. Uh, it's probably not likely he's going to play, but look for week six for him to get some game action um ready to be healthy probably practice fully at some point next week so look out for raheem mostert uh now moving on to the wide receivers i'm going to start off with calvin ridley calvin ridley has been really battling a ton of injuries over the last two weeks last week it was an ankle injury and he caught zero passes which blows because i needed him to do a little bit but whatever now he had an ankle injury last week but this week it's two different things he has a thigh and knee injury but he's also been practicing limitedly uh for the last week or so so i wouldn't doubt that he's not going to play he's probably going to play so all you ridley owners have no fear uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about is Ridley's teammate, who is not looking as good as Ridley does, is one of the best receivers for the last couple of years. It's Julio Jones. Julio Jones has been battling a hamstring injury for the last couple of weeks now. He played through it last week, left around halftime, and he really hasn't practiced all week. So it's reasonable to think that Julio Jones will not be suiting up this weekend against Carolina. So if you have any backups like um, Russell Gage, any guys like that, or a guy that I'm going to talk about later, um, Julio Jones probably is not going to play, so just be prepared for any backups that you have. So the next guy we're going to talk about is none other than Poop Boy, Odell Beckham Jr., he has been limited for some capacity throughout the week with a toe injury. Again, don't really see him missing time. He had a monster game uh, on Sunday versus Dallas. Uh, this is a relatively new injury, so I really don't expect him to miss any time, and it doesn't seem like the Browns think differently, meaning he's going to play probably. Um and then the next receiver we have is Julian Edelman. 
he has a knee injury. He's been kind of like banged up, like practicing limitedly with these random injuries for the last couple of weeks now. I don't really see him missing any time now that they're going to play. I believe they're playing on Monday now. Um, not 100% sure of that, but I believe the Patriots are have moved their game to Monday because of all the uh, COVID stuff, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's the way we have to uh, work it now. It's just the situation we're in. So, yeah, they're playing Denver on Monday. That's what I thought at 5 o'clock. So two Monday night games, sort of. But Julian Edelman is probably going to play in that. Uh, the next receiver that we have is someone who's kind of been like under the radar in fantasy. Probably you might have him, but you probably haven't played him. If you have, it's probably a deeper league. Um, it's LaVisca Chenault. Chenault, Chenault. Uh, I'll just say Chenault. Um, he's been limited all week with a uh, hamstring injury, but it came out today sometime in the afternoon there. Chenault won't carry an injury designation for Sunday's game. So if you have LaVisca Chenault, he will not be injured, and he will definitely play unless he like gets hurt at his house or something. But how often is that going to happen? Um, and then the next receiver I'm going to talk about doesn't really affect anyone this week, but it's good to know that he probably will be coming back soon. And it's Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has a hamstring injury, a lot of soft tissues injuries with these players. Um, but he tried playing uh, last week. He was a game-time decision. Uh, it was revealed the night before the Sunday night game against the Falcons that he won't be playing. Was it Sunday night? It was either Sunday or Monday. I think it was Sunday. Um, Devontae Adams would not be playing. So he has a bye week this week, coming back week six. So I could probably assume that Devontae Adams is going to be in the lineup week six. Um, so all you Devontae Adams owners, I wouldn't worry at all. But just to give you an update, the, the bye week will definitely help him uh, rest up that hammy. So he's 100% ready to go. Um, another wide receiver we haven't really talked about in a while, but he's starting to make the comeback, is wide receiver Michael Thomas. He's been out since week one with that ankle injury that he got rolled on by Alvin Kamara on that freak accident, and he's been out ever since. Um, he's limited as questionable, and there seems to be a good thought that he might play this weekend. Uh, it's looking good for Michael Thomas. Um, I'm a little hesitant on playing him because I just don't know how much time he's going to get just coming back from an injury of that severity because ankle injuries really take a long time to heal. But he's got that extra day, being that he's playing on Monday night. Um, he's got that extra day to, like, test it out. So it'll probably be – he'll probably be a game-time decision. But I would, I would assume he would probably play. I just don't know how much. That's what scares me a little bit. So that does it with the wide receivers. So now I'm going to move on to the tight ends. Um, we're going to start with Darren Waller. Um, he has a knee injury. He's been battling a little bit of the knee injury the last couple of weeks for the Las Vegas Raiders. But um, it doesn't really seem like he's going to miss the game. But he um, he's kind of been on and off with practicing this last few week, th this last this previous week. So. It, it raises the question whether he's going to play or not, but I can't really see him not playing being that other than Josh Jacobs and maybe Renfro and Ruggs. Darren Waller is the best player in that offense, and they need him so badly. So, um, yeah, that does it with Darren Waller. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be a little surprised 
if he does not play. So, moving on. Uh, the next injury we have is Noah Fant. Noah Fant has an ankle injury. He suffered it on Thursday night, last Thursday night, against the Jets. Um, he left the game early. They designated him as as pretty minor, but I guess they're not taking the chance this week playing against the New England Patriots. So it looks like Noah Fant's not going to play which is completely fine. I'd rather have Noah Fant uh, come back healthy 100% because, like I said earlier, with Michael Thomas, it's an ankle injury, and those those could be really tricky to uh, rehab and gain full strength with. So Noah Fant will not play this week. But um, moving on to the uh, final injury designation of the week, uh, is Mark Andrews, who didn't really specify what injury he had. My, some reporters seem to think it's his thigh. Um, he s- suffered that sometime earlier in the week, probably Wednesday or so. Um, and he's listed as probable slash questionable. I could probably understand. Uh, Mark Andrews will probably play. I don't really see him not playing. Um so if you're a Mark Andrews owner, um, I really wouldn't be afraid of him not playing. I just don't see how a random injury that occurs within the middle of the week that no one really knows about. I It doesn't seem like the Ravens are too worried, so take that for what it's worth. So that does it for the injury updates. And coming to you next is a preview of my team's. All right, so getting into my teams, since I haven't put out an episode in a while, I'll just give you a quick recap of what happened last week. Um, I went 3-1, but the one team that lost is my CBS League, and I lost to my dad. It was not a good week for us. It was the week Ridley put up zero, and then he had guys like Thielen. He had a Thielen. He had Thielen, he had Mike Evans, and um, he had Josh Allen. Guys like that just absolutely killed me last week, and not to mention that my guys didn't really do much. Um, I know I had um, I had a bad week last week. I didn't I didn't score as much points as many points as I would have liked. It was a very underscoring week. Um, Jonathan Taylor really didn't do anything. None of my receivers caught touchdowns. Uh, I was, I had a very big problem at flex. Um, I just, I thought it would be a good idea to play Leonard Fournette, and then I got second thoughts about it, and then I ended up playing Debo Samuel, who didn't do that great, but it it didn't really matter. But I think it was more of my dad killing me rather than me not scoring because no matter what, I think I would have lost anyway. Um, but, it, you know, and if I'm going to be honest, he really didn't put up that good of points. He had Mike Evans who went absolutely off. He had Kareem Hunt. I forgot about that too. And those were really the guys that killed me. I put up a big zero. None of my receivers did anything like they're supposed to. Russell Wilson, I can't, I can't keep leaning on him, uh, putting up thirty or forty every week. I mean, he did get twenty nine and a half, but still, uh, my defense really didn't do that well. It, it, all around, it was just not really that good of a game. Um, it's a game I could have totally won. Um, I only I was outscored by 40. So if Taylor gets me a little more, if Keenan Allen maybe catches a touchdown, and Ridley obviously if he does better and Fant does better, um, I probably would have won. But I had Antonio Gibson sitting on my bench, and he scored a touchdown, had a couple catches. So that was very unfortunate for me, I think. But I'm kind of glad in a sense because he had DJ Chark and Bridgewater on his bench and they scored 
30 and 33 basically um, so could have been worse but now I think I'm second in the division with my because my dad's in the division too so um, yeah I am second in the division I'm still my team's still really good but this week I'm playing another good team and I'm a little worried I'm more worried this week than I think I was last week um, just because of the matchups that I have um, like I'm not really a big fan of Joe Burrow versus Baltimore but then again I'm not really I don't really know how I feel about Jimmy G just yet not to mention fans hurt so I picked up Evan Ingram on off of free agency uh, they're playing the Giants so they're not playing the Giants Evan Ingram is a giant um, they're playing the Cowboys but so the Cowboys obviously have a terrible defense um, but being that he had a couple guys in the Thursday night game he had Allen Robinson which really hurt it really hurt he had Allen Robinson and I had the Bucks defense so right now it's 20 to 17 he's got his whole team left minus his defense I have no minus is one of his receivers and I have my whole team minus my defense left so guy he I, he has guys like Dak I'm worried about Kyler Murray I'm worried about Chris Carson I'm worried about Jerry Judy I'm a little worried about now that Stefan Gilmore is probably not going to play uh, he's James Robinson, who's I'm just worried about too. So it's not looking really that good for me this week. I need some guys to really step it up here. Um, I might play Michael Thomas. I might play him at my flex. I have Josh Kelly at my flex now. Um, not really sure how comfortable I am with that, but... Um, I'm going to figure it out. Probably once once I find out Michael Thomas is playing or not, I will probably make the decision from there. Um, so that does it with the CBS team. But my other teams are really starting to really do good. Um, two of my other teams are 4-0. Um, the one I'm with that I'm in with with a couple of my buddies – I'm 4-0 in, but the other team that I'm playing is, isn't is too shabby either. He's 3-1. He's doing really good. I'm kind of worried about that. Um, he's got Mahomes. He's probably going to play Michael Thomas. He's got Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, Terry McLaurin, Mixon, Jacobs. Um, and not to mention, he has Chris Godwin on his bench. So that just goes to show you how good his team is. And he is Waller and Hunter Henry as his tight ends. Um, my team's kind of crumbling a little bit. Um, I don't know why someone dropped DJ Chark from their team, but I ended up picking him up. I, I, I really don't know why someone would do that. Um, but I needed a tight end also, so I picked up Dalton Schultz from the, the Cowboys. Um, this is an eight-team league, so... People don't have multiple tight ends unless they're hurt, like mine. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I'm playing Odell this week. Um, I just don't see him producing the way he produced last week. Uh, the Colts' defense is actually really good. And so I picked up Justin Jefferson off of free agency. So now I'm going to have Justin Jefferson play uh, against Seattle rather than um, Odell playing against Indianapolis. I thought a little bit about playing Will Fuller, but I think I'm just going to stick with Justin Jefferson just because he's riding the hot hand and uh, the Texans just fired Bill O'Brien, so I don't know how their offense is going to look like. They will probably – I'm going to assume they're going to probably ride David Johnson into the ground to try and make up for – Make it look, make the trade that look less bad, if that makes sense. So they're going to probably try and get David Johnson his stats up to make the DeAndre Hopkins trade not look as bad as it really is. 
no matter how many touchdowns David Johnson can get this season, that is the worst trade in NFL history. I don't even care. Maybe even ever. We don't know. But if you're a hockey fan, the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade, one for one, that was, that was a pretty bad deal. Anyway, moving on. So, yeah, this team's 4-0, looking to go on 5-0. and But it's not going to be easy. I know that. Um, and then I'll just talk about my other 4-0 team. That team is just absolutely stacked. And I'm playing a guy that doesn't pay attention to his team. So, Kyler is my quarterback. I got Jacobs, Robinson, James Robinson. And my receivers, I think I might have the best receivers I've ever seen in my entire life. I have... Hopkins, Ridley, and then on my bench is Devontae Adams, Marquise Brown, Julian Edelman, and in my flex is DJ Chark. I don't think I've ever seen a set of wide receivers that good in my entire life. I could just be gassing my stuff up so hard, but I I, I don't know. I, I really don't understand how anybody could beat me with this deep of a team. My tight end is Kittle. I have the Colts defense. Rodrigo Blankenship is my quarter, my kicker. But um, my bench probably isn't really that great. I should start thinking about getting rid of J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Joe Burrow is my backup. But, yeah. Uh, uh, that'll wrap it up for my um, my team player. Play my team preview um just because you know i like to flaunt my team a little bit but i think you've heard enough of gloating for this week so next segment i will get into is the um back of the mind segment so stick around okay so for the back of the mind segment this is what i like to call just keeping tabs on guys for free agency period next week um see how they do this weekend and then if they do pretty good probably a good chance you should think about picking them up in your for your lineup next week so i'm going to start off by having the quarterbacks i didn't include a tight end i didn't really think there was any tight ends that were worthwhile mentioning so uh, i'm going to keep it quarterback running back receiver a uh, couple of guys in each. So, all right. To start off, I got Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's on Carolina. And he plays the Falcons this week, who gives up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. He's got a plethora of weapons. His coach is Matt Rule, who is an offensive specialist, an actual offensive guru. Not even going to whatever. Uh, Robbie Anderson's been killing it lately, not to mention he has DJ Moore. He's got Mike Davis, who's been really good. He's effective in the passing game as a running back. Curtis Samuel's been really good. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater brings the ability of rushing the ball. He's got 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown this season. So playing against a really 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 bad Falcons defense I would look to play Teddy Bridgewater over a lot of quarterbacks if I'm going to be honest like borderline starters that you're like eh I'm unsure guys like Gardner Minshew I would probably play Bridgewater over um quarterbacks like that who are like a little iffy but Teddy Bridgewater should definitely have some consideration if not next week this week um so that that's that for Teddy Bridgewater. So uh the two running backs I'm going to be talking about. The first one is Justin Jackson from the Los Angeles Chargers. He's projected to split time with Joshua Kelly being that Austin Eckler has uh a hamstring injury and is out for like 6 weeks or something. He's known to be like the pass catching running back out of the backfield uh which is basically brownie points in PPR. Um, and Josh Kelly hasn't really been that great since that monster performance in week one. He's fumbled in the last t- 
two weeks, each of the last two weeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Jackson honestly takes more time out of Joshua Kelly. Um, and the Saints are not really that great against running backs to begin with, uh, pass-catching running backs. They're like middle of the pack. but And not to mention it gives Justin Jackson – not Justin Jackson. It gives Justin Herbert – that safety valve, security blanket underneath, pressure's coming. You have Justin Jackson on the other side of the field waiting for a dump off to take it like 10, 15 yards for the first down. So Justin Jackson might be a decent play this week. We just have to see how the Chargers use him with Josh Kelly. So that's it for Justin Jackson. And the second running back I'm going to talk about is Damian Harris. He had a good week last week for the Patriots um, against the Chiefs, putting up 17 carries for 100 yards, which is really insane. He uh, was activated off IR before the game. Uh, we all, th- Most of us thought that would probably be a Rex Burkhead kind of game, being that Sonny Michelle got put on IR before the game. Uh, no one really thought Damian Harris would have the amount of workload that he did have um but um especially with james white coming back but james white is mostly the pass catching back in that backfield so he's really only competing against rex burkhead i mean he's competing for snaps but um goal line carries would probably be uh him and Burkhead, and if Cam Newton comes back, he's always a threat to run a QB sneak and run it in the goal line. So, um, But something to just keep in mind, the Patriots are a very heavy run team. They have the second most rushing yards per game, only second to Cleveland. Cleveland runs the absolute crap out of the football. So... Um, the Patriots are a very run-heavy team, so most likely their Damian Harris is going to get more and more looks, especially with Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham as the quarterback with Cam out, just so they want to hide him, hide them, because um, they're not really that good, and Cam's a different story. So that does it for Damian Harris. Uh, and then the wide receivers, I got two of them. I'm going to talk about Tim Patrick, who's Denver's wide receiver. He's their number two receiver. He's had 37 fantasy points in the last two games, which is really unbelievable. Ever since Cortland Sutton um, went down with an injury, he's really stepped up to the plate and hammered it out of the park. He's been awesome in the last two weeks. And now that there's no Fant and no K.J. Hamler, there's not really much competition. I mean, Melvin Gordon catches passes out of the backfield a little bit. And when Philip Lindsay comes back, he does too. But other than that, Jerry Judy is really the only major competitor for targets with Tim Patrick. And now that the Patriots won't have uh, Stefan Gilmore, um, they're their performance, their, I, I guess lack of a better term, their defense won't be as good, especially with no Stephon Gilmore. They already give up the eighth worst. They are already the eighth worst in fantasy versus wide receivers. I don't know what the heck that was. I, that just absolute hurricane of not trying to find words that make any sense my apologies but yeah Tim Patrick is a decent look going forward um, especially if there's no fan no Hamler and Stefan Gilmore is out for this game with COVID and then this last receiver that I'm going to talk about maybe belongs in deeper leagues he's kind of buried under his depth chart a little bit just because of all the talent that is above it not to mention he has a very interesting name so it's uh one of the receivers for the atlanta falcons 
and I looked up how to say this name earlier, and I'm going to try. It's Olama, Olamadi Zacchaeus. I think that's how you say it. Olamadi Zacchaeus. Um, and that's just such an interesting name. That may be one of the most interesting names I've ever had to pronounce in my life. Um, anyway, the Falcons might be without Julio Jones this week. It's probably going to look like that. Um, and Calvin Ridley's been a little banged up. So if either of those two go out with injury, he moves up to the second receiver behind Russell Gage. And he's had 15 targets the last two games. He had six weeks three and nine week four, which is pretty good. And against a decent Green Bay defense, he had eight catches for 86 yards and no touchdowns. But um, that's when Julio left the game with the injury. So um, maybe Olamide, Olamide, Olamide comes back and has a great game with no Julio. You never know. Being Maybe he'll be the slot receiver or maybe Gage is the, the slot receiver and Ridley will move to the X and Zacchaeus will move to the Y. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to play it without Julio, but that wraps it up for the back of the mind segment. And next we're going to get into the comeback season. Okay, for the comeback season, these are the guys that I think might bounce back after a really bad performance the week prior. Um, I've got a quarterback, two receivers, and a tight end. I didn't really think any running backs were worthy of getting a comeback season vote, I guess, for lack of a better term. So... um, I still have four players. I'm going to talk about them a little bit, and I'm going to start off with the quarterback. Uh, We're going to talk about Daniel Jones of the Giants. He's playing the Cowboys, who is the third worst defense versus quarterbacks. They give up a lot of points, a la the game versus Seattle, the game versus Atlanta, these heavy, heavy offenses absolutely destroying their defense. It's not really... The Cowboys' defense is just absolutely terrible, and this game on Sunday should be an absolute shootout. This game should end 150 to 200. That's how bad these teams' defenses are. But maybe their teams, their teams' offenses, are really show up, and especially the Giants. The Giants' offense really needs to show up in this game. But the thing with Daniel Jones is he's played against pretty good defenses. Week one against Pittsburgh, I mean, he did have two touchdowns. He had a semi-decent game. But then he played the Bears, the 49ers, even though they're banged up. It's still a good defense. And last week they played the Rams. Um, And not to mention, he's still an effective rusher. Uh, He has 18 carries for 137 yards. So he does like to use his legs a lot, which brings a great aspect for fantasy for quarterbacks. Um, Still waiting on a touchdown um, since week one. That was the last time he threw a passing touchdown. He's a couple turnovers here and there since then. So if this is not the game Daniel Jones breaks out like everybody thought he was going to break out, it's never going to happen. He's playing probably the worst, one of the worst defenses in the league. And if he doesn't good now, he, he, if he doesn't do good now, he will never do good this season, in my opinion. So... We're going to move on to the wide receiver, and there seems to be a direct correlation with Daniel Jones, and it's Darius Slayton, who is the one of the Giants' main targets at wide receiver, playing the Cowboys, if you didn't already know that, <laughs> which they are the second worst versus wide receivers in fantasy. He's been pretty consistent with the amount of volume he's getting. He has nine targets in week one, six week two, and seven week three and four. So it's not like they're neglecting from him a little bit. It's just probably the amount the amount of attention he gets for the defenses is probably pretty high. He probably garners most of the attention from the defenses if it's not Evan Ingram or maybe even Golden Tate, washed up Golden Tate. Um, but he, his 
the targets have been there. It's just only a matter of time till it he has a good game. And I think this could be the game where Darius Slayton really breaks out for seven catches, 100 yards, and maybe a touchdown or two. I wouldn't be surprised, and I think it might happen. Um, Darius Slayton has really been the entire offense for the Giants. He is out of the three offensive touchdowns that the Giants have this year, three out of in four games, they have three offensive touchdowns. Out of the three, Darius Slayton has two of them from passes from Daniel Jones. So hopefully that connection can reignite this weekend against the the Cowboys, and then um, maybe get you back, maybe get them back on your fantasy radar. So. The next guy I'm going to target is Tyler Lockett, which is seems a little surprising being that season he's had. He had a really bad game last week. He's had incredible games the first three weeks, especially against the Cowboys where he had three touchdowns. Um, but last week versus Miami, he didn't really do much, which is kind of surprising for Seattle. They had a kind of low-scoring game. They only finished the game 19-17, to I believe. But... Couldn't really do anything um, against that Miami defense. I mean, Russell Wilson passed to David Moore for a touchdown. Um, I don't know if – I don't think Metcalf had a touchdown. Um, I think Chris Carson may have had a touchdown. Not not 100% sure, but he's been targeted a ton in the first three games, and I think last week is a fluke game. He's had 29 targets in the first three weeks, which is unheard of. He's averaging basically 10 targets a game. I mean, I shouldn't say that's unheard of, but that's really good, especially with the consistency. That's what we like to see. And versus Minnesota, who is terrible against receivers, they're the third worst defense against wide receivers. I could see Tyler Lockett definitely bouncing back. And not that he's had a bad week last week, but Metcalf is probably going to have a game this weekend, absolutely tearing up that Vikings secondary. Um, so that's Tyler Lockett. And the tight end that I think is really going to bounce back is Hunter Henry of the Chargers. Uh, they're playing a Saints team that's just allowed the second worst. Um, that's been the second worst against tight ends in the NFL. Um, just take a look at what Darren Waller did to Malcolm Jenkins. He absolutely abused him for like 13 catches and a hundred and something yards. So I could definitely anticipate Hunter Henry doing something like that, being that um, Hunter Henry is a great player and he has a great quarterback with him. And I think the chemistry is starting to be there. Um, and especially with no Mike Williams, he doesn't really have to compete for targets other than, Keenan Allen and maybe Justin Jackson now but um, I think also last week against the Buccaneers was a little bit of a fluky game in a sense that absolutely nobody's dominated that game out of the three touchdowns Herbert threw the players that caught them are as followed Jalen Guyton Tyron Johnson and of course, Donald Parham Jr. Oh yeah, definitely. Ugh, how could I not play Donald Parham Jr.? Silly me. Sorry guys, if I didn't tell you to play Jalen Guyton. My bad. No, it's just a fluke. There's no way that all three of those guys are going to have touchdowns again. I guarantee it. Well, I may... Not all three of them at the same time. That's what I guarantee that they don't. Maybe Tyron Johnson has a touchdown or something like that. I don't know. But um, not that it's a huge, huge difference, but he did have the second most targets last week. Um, Keenan Allen had 11, but other than that, Henry had four. So it was really the Keenan Allen show that just really was – where Herbert's eyes were a lot. But look for Hunter Henry to definitely bounce back against the Saints team that just cannot stop tight ends. So 
that does it for comeback season. And then to wrap up the show, I'm going to tell you who to sell high on and who to buy low. All right. To get it started, I'm going to talk about um, guys you should think about buying low on and guys you should sell high on. Like if you have these, if you're thinking about getting another player, making some trades, now that it's week five in the NFL, there's buys starting to come back. Um, guys get injured all the time. Guy, Here are some guys that I think you should try and buy pretty low. Their, well, their value is not as high as it possibly could be, and you can get them for cheap and maybe not win the trade. That's not what you should be going for. It should be going for benefiting you. So I'm going to give you three guys from each, and let's get started with buying low. So the first guy I think you should buy low on is Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson is a running back for the Washington football team. Still weird to say. And he's basically one of the main focal points of that offense. Him and Terry McLaurin basically run that offense. And um, it it's not really that good to begin with. But now that there's a change in quarterback from Dwayne Haskins to oh Kyle Allen. I don't know why I forgot his name for a sec. Kyle Allen. Uh, maybe the offense looks a little better. So, um, within the last couple of weeks, uh, Gibson has been a little bit more involved in the offense. He had a big passing game last week, but he broke off a big catch and run. But um, maybe we can start to see him starting to develop as a pass catching back because that's what um, Ron Rivera's offense really likes. Because look at Christian McCaffrey. He is a awesome pass catching back, and now he's one of the best running backs in the league. So maybe look for Antonio Gibson to start getting more opportunities to catch passes out of the backfield, maybe for checkdowns and stuff like that, especially if Kyle Allen is still like a little shaky with the offense. I mean, he's still in his second year, but he's with his second team with the same end coach. So maybe start to look at him possibly catching more passes in the future. Not to mention that, uh, Gibson is the main red zone running back for the football team, and he has 10 red zone attempts, 10 red zone rushing attempts throughout the first four weeks, but that which is second to Peyton Barber. But I don't really like to think about it that way because Peyton Barber had 10 rushing attempts in the red zone week one, and he's had one since. So it's really been the Antonio Gibson show in the red zone. He's been getting a lot more looks compared to Jay-Z McKissick and Peyton Barber. Um, so that's good. And being that he has a new quarterback, it might allow him to flourish more because Dwayne Haskins really isn't that talented, and I don't really know how much more talented Kyle Allen is to Dwayne Haskins. But you never know. Maybe just they find a different level of chemistry that Haskins and him didn't have and he just performs better. So Antonio Gibson is definitely someone I'm looking at picking up, trying to see if you can get him for cheap or maybe is making a major deal and somebody's like, oh, I'll just throw in Antonio Gibson. That would be a very smart play. Think about Antonio Gibson. The next guy um, might come to s- – might seem as a bit of a surprise being his start to the season – and he's a former Deuce of the Week nominee. And it's Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, um, at the beginning of the season, started to show signs that maybe he's not the running back that he was during his time with the Rams. Uh, maybe he's starting to decline a little bit. Granted, he's only 26, but he's had some knee problems. Um and he's not really had that great start to the season in week one and two. But then he really bounced back in week three and four, putting up multiple double-digit points, high double-digit points in the lo- upper teens, low 20s. I don't think he hit 20, but he's had some solid bounce-back weeks in week three and four. And he's the clear-cut number one running back 
in all facets of the game. He leads the Falcons in the amount of snaps he plays. He plays 53% of the snaps. Brian Hill is the backup running back. He plays like 30-something snap percent of snaps a game. So no matter what, Todd Gurley is still the lead back in this in this offense. Um, and not to mention, he's definitely the clear-cut red zone running back. Um, and this one's not even close. Like, you could not mess this up anymore. He has 21 rushes in the red zone compared to second Brian Hill's two. Brian Hill has two rushing yard, rushing attempts in the red zone. So if the Falcons are on the goal line, um, it's most likely going to be Todd Gurley that gets the ball, which is definitely a huge plus being that um, those are the best options, best opportunities for running backs to score points in fantasy uh, on the goal line because of the six-point touchdown. So um, he really doesn't have any competition, and he's still the starting running back. He might not put up good rushing yards, but it doesn't really matter if he puts up two goal line touchdowns and maybe adds a catch or two because he doesn't really catch passes out of the backfield. So Todd Gurley is someone I kind of like going forward, especially in that offense. If they're um, trying to eat some clock a little bit, they'll give it to Gurley and just have him work. So that does it with Gurley. And the final guy you should buy low on, I think, is A.J. Green. Um, This one might also come to see as a surprise, being that he hasn't really produced. But like I keep mentioning, I say it all the time, the volume is there the targets are there the looks are there he's the most targeted on his team with 36 and he has the ninth most targets in the nfl so it's not like he's washed still or it's not like he's washed he's just not getting catchable balls in his direction whether they're drops or not is up for debate but he's getting the looks and that's what's most important um but the only problem I would have to worry with A.J. Green is the amount of looks Tyler Boyd gets. Um, Tyler Boyd is also 35 targets, but he's getting the touchdowns. Um, but anyway, he has he's tied for the most red zone targets with four on his team. He plays the second most percent snap percentage with 68. Um, like I said earlier, he has consistent volume, but just the results aren't there he doesn't have a touchdown this year which is kind of a problem but once he starts getting those touchdowns um he's gonna look way better in fantasy because the touchdowns are really what help you in any any fantasy league whether the scoring is different touchdowns are the most valuable so my advice on that is just be patient if you have aj green or if you want to try and get him maybe he's out on the waiver wire maybe some guy has him maybe trade him for cheap and i think it will really pan out in the end so those are my three guys that i think you should buy low on and next i'm going to get into the guys you should sell high on the guys that you have that you uh could possibly get a high return on so i'm going to mention two running backs and a receiver and we'll go from there so to start off with the running back uh this one should be kind of fairly obvious um maybe not in some aspects but uh i have the running back for the carolina panthers and mike davis uh his value right now is at an all-time high it probably can't get much higher i mean it probably could but being that he's the second running back behind christian mccaffrey he's definitely getting benched not that it's his fault it's just christian mccaffrey is the best running back in the league debatable alvin Kamara might have want to have a conversation with that but uh when christian mccaffrey comes back from his ankle injury he's definitely going to be the starter there's no question about it it's not like mike davis took the job from christian mccaffrey that there's none of that but he's been running back 16 in most leagues in standard ESPN leagues while only playing for three weeks, which is kind of insane 
because imagine if he played week one, he'd probably definitely be a top 10 running back, which goes to show you how good either Mike Davis is or how good that offense is. So I think if you look to trade Mike Davis now or within the next week or two, you could probably get a lot in return for him. Uh, being that McCaffrey's going to come back in a couple weeks and he's going to have no value once McCaffrey does come back. So in a similar situation, the next guy I'm going to talk about is Jarek McKinnon. He's in a running back by committee kind of team where they'll just ride with the hot hand, but it seems like recently to start the season, Raheem Mostert kind of made a name for himself. Um kind of started to take charge of that running back and um mckinnon has kind of played second fiddle him and coleman have been kind of just there behind him but right now like like similarly with mike davis his value is probably the highest it will be all year so um the if you trade the sooner you trade him the more you're going to get out of it um, because he's a borderline top 10 running back. There's no question about it. And he's played every week. He's invo- He was involved in the passing game before Mike um, Raheem Mostert went down. But I could really start to see that um, the 49ers decrease his value a little bit, especially with at the beginning of the year they didn't have Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. So – they didn't really have much weapons in the passing game at the beginning of the year, so maybe that's why they used Jarek McKinnon more. But I can definitely see Mostert coming back, taking the lead role, and Jarek McKinnon is kind of just left in the dust. Um, but like I said earlier, he played a little bit of week one um, with Mostert. Uh, McKinnon played 31% of snaps week one. Um Tevin Coleman played a little bit in that game, but I think Raheem Mostert played like 50, 60% of snaps that game, which is uh, pretty good. And not to mention, we all can't forget the fact that Jared McKinnon uh, is very injury prone. He has like two or three torn ACLs in the last two, three years ever since joining the 49ers. This is really his first full healthy season with the Niners. So that's also something you should take into consideration. If you have Jarek McKinnon, look to maybe think about getting rid of him for a hefty price. But if it's not worth your while, don't trade him. Like that's that's just a general guide. I'm just giving you guys that you th- that should be like maybe you should start to think about trading him. Just see what you can get for him. Because in a couple of weeks, these guys might be completely useless to you. And you can finesse somebody of a decent player. You never know. And the final guy might come as a surprise. Maybe not. But um, it's someone we've mentioned before on this podcast. And he has a certain special name. It's none other than Poop Boy himself. Odell Beckham Jr. If you have Odell Beckham Jr., I would look to trade him immediately just because like everybody else his value right now probably at this moment right now is probably the highest it's going to be because he had the game of his life on Sunday versus the Cowboys and I guarantee you I wouldn't guarantee you I am 99.9% confident that's not happening again I could almost bet against it happening like not happening Because the Browns are a very run-heavy team. And not to mention Njoku's coming back. Jarvis Landry is still there. Baker Mayfield's getting better week by week, but he's still not that great. And the Cowboys' defense was really bad. So that gave him a little bit of a boost. But someone I like to compare, like, seasons to that I think that are very very similar is him and some guy we mentioned previously, A.J. Green. Odell's really had a wild roller coaster start to the season where in the first four games of the season, he's put up 5, 17, 10, and then 38. So 
week to week, you really don't know what Odell you're getting. Are you getting the 17 or 38 point Odell, or are you getting the 5 to 10 point Odell Beckham Jr.? So the inconsistency there is something that scares me a little bit. And being that he had an all-time great game on Sunday makes me want to start exploring trade options. If you have better depth, maybe keep them. But just see, maybe put out a feeler. See if you can try and get like a running back and then throw Odell in there and then try and convince the other guy, oh, he had just had a great game against the Cowboys. Maybe he starts to like get his gear going but going to back to what i said about um him and aj green they both they basically have the same stats it's just odell has the touchdowns that aj green doesn't odell has three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown aj green doesn't have a single touchdown they have similar targets similar red zone targets and basically the same amount of snaps granted odell probably has a little bit more yards not a little bit Odell definitely has more yards than A.J. Green, but um, just because they don't really use A.J. Green going deep like they used to, uh, being that he's older, uh, a little more worn out, has some tread on the tires a little bit. Um, So, like I said, Odell's just really inconsistent, and that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And it could be very likely that he's peaked already this season. This is very much likely Odell's best game of the season, and you probably won't see anything really like it. You'll probably see good performances, like a touchdown or two in a game, but three touchdowns and a hell of a lot of catches, that's probably not really going to happen anymore for Odell Beckham Jr., which which is upsetting because he's a very talented running running back. He's a very talented receiver for the Cleveland Browns. So that wraps it up with the uh, buy low and sell high guys. So that finishes it up there. So that's going to wrap it up for episode four of the NBN Fantasy Football Podcast. If you managed to stay through the entire thing, I really appreciate it. Um, Like I said at the beginning of the episode, my apologies for not posting more. I've just had lack of motivation been very lazy but i'm working to fight that get through it uh, put myself in a good work ethic and really defeat my demons of that because i've always kind of been known to be lazy but anyway enough of chit chat about me like i said thank you for listening to episode four of the uh this podcast if you have any lineup questions going into this weekend uh you're you can tweet me at S Harrington FFB on Twitter, or you can email me um, at my email S Harrington FFB at gmail.com, or if you have my number or something, you know, text me. But anyway, this is the amateur expert signing off. Thank you for listening, and good luck this weekend. See you later. Taking time is over before you know you're older. So sober, alone, look, you get in my cold shoulder. You crying like it's rain, you causing all the pain. No closure, I'm colder. You getting nothing, Joker. Get down.